Uh, we're just coming back in for another episode um, of the Chip of the Champ podcast. Today we sit down with Miss Sydney Ross, um, so MMA fighter extraordinaire, daughter of um, Angela and Ray Ross. So we're going to deep dive into her a little bit today. Beforehand, we're going to just kind of do some updates. Not a whole lot to really update. Working on with the new equipment today, so hopefully the uh, the audio of this podcast becomes better uh, than it has been. So give us some feedback feedback on that. So with me, as always, Josh just walked in from work. Yeah, looks like he's decompressing a little bit. It's a rough day, huh? Every day, just, just breathe. Every day is just an interesting day. We gotta we learn as we go. That's yeah, how we do things. Um, the uh, Friday nights are still doing pretty well. Still getting a lot of turnouts. So we appreciate everybody coming out for that. That's about the only updates we have. So, all right. So anything you want to add? You have anything? Nope. All right. Some sort of martial arts. Right. So that's kind of how far back it starts. MMA in particular, though, I had, I was my senior year of high school. I was, I had quit the wrestling team. I was boxing, um, but uh, some issues that were going on kind of uh, between the coaches I was training with at the time for my boxing. Um, I kind of had quit and wasn't really doing much of anything, exercise at all. I was working at, like, a Chick-fil-A or Hollister or something random like that, and I was also working the night shift at the desk at the gym. Okay. So this was circa 2017. And we had not just bought the gym. We'd had the gym for a little bit, but we were still fairly new Gorilla House owners. And we had... Um, this fight team coming up to use our gym, 6 o'clock every night. Uh, Jason Dignan was, uh, you know, running uh, MMA. He had a couple yeah. fighters, yep. and they were doing, you know, an MMA class or whatever. Byron had that. Mm-hmm, Byron as well. Yep. Yeah. And I had met Ethan before one time prior in IUP at a jiu-jitsu tournament. And so, you know, I'd seen Ethan before, knew who Ethan was. I knew he was a fighter. Um, I was still very interested in combat sports and, you know, all that stuff. I just wasn't currently practicing anything. And he pretty much was just, like, every day he would come to the desk to check in. He would be like, oh, hey, when are you going to start doing this stuff? Like, you coming up here? Like, he would, you know, just kind of ask me about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day I'm like, you know what, whatever, I'll come up. I'm going to try it. So I go up there. And I remember this is my first day. First day trying MMA. Box wrestle did all that fun stuff, but you know, I haven't I haven't gotten off of the, the desk chair in probably a couple weeks. Right, right. <laughs> and Jason's like, he's got a he's got a fight coming up. This is when Ethan was gonna Bellator debut. He was uh he um kinda was like he got his ticket, uh, for lack of a better term, whenever you're a fighter and you're going to perform on a promotion as big as the UFC, Bellator, um, even uh, some of the ones coming around now, like LFA, you know, it's yep. a it's an honor, really. So he had this awesome opportunity, and he was kind of preparing for this Bellator fight that he was going to have at uh, State College. And so today was sparring day. And he's like, that you know... Nice. Jump in there with Ethan. You'll warm up with him. Whatever. We're getting there. We're moving around a little bit. And I'm, uh, I guess he's noticing that I 
am, I don't want to say holding my own, not competing at any way or whatever, but kind of had an idea of what I was doing in there. Right. Like, not just you some girl that walked off You're the, the street. Yeah, had yeah. some sort of idea as to what I was doing from having boxed and wrestling before. So he's like, we'll go at kind of more of a, we'll pick, he, so he decides, you know, we'll pick the pace up a little bit. And also, I used to have a bad habit of when I would spar, I wasn't very good at being controlled in a sense of when I was spar, I was fighting. Like, there was no difference, difference in, in training and fighting for me. So I was, you know, I was, I was coming at him. And he socks me <laughs> with a straight left right in my nose and drops me. And I'm just on the floor. I get up and I look at freaking Jason and my eyes are just huge. Like, I have oh no. saucers for eyes. And I'm like freaking out. And he's like, take it easy, take it easy. <laughs> so that was your trial by fire. Came into the MMA world and Ethan yeah, Goss knocks your dress. He's stalking me into coming and then nice he guy. ignores me. Oh. <laughs> I love Ethan to death. That, that's my Ethan. That's, I would expect nothing less from Ethan. That's kind of what happens. Well, I mean, it worked. I came in the next half and freaking missed very many practices days since then. Uh, I've been pretty consistent and it wasn't so that was um, October, I want to say, of 2017. He had his fight um, November of 2017. And then I had debuted March of 2018. Yep. So it wasn't very long after um, wasn't very long after he finally got me up in there that I was starting to take. He, like Ethan, he got me in touch with the matchmaker, the promotion I was going to fight for. He did a lot of that. Um, Your first one was with Pinnacle, correct? Pinnacle, yeah, correct. Pinnacle, right? mm-hmm. okay. He did a lot of that kind of where do I start? How do I get into this? Like, what, like, kind of like, okay, well, I know I'm training, like, how do I do it? Like, right. he kind of did a lot of that groundwork for me. So that was. You probably already had, because of Ray being your dad, your groundwork is pretty much already set. Your dad had the baseline, price and time you could walk, kind of. Yes, as far as the training, uh uh-huh, as far as camp went. But the area, as far as having connections to promoters and matchmakers in Pennsylvania, his ties were kind of more towards Maryland, D.C., where we're from. Right. Like, Virginia area. So, uh, getting the connections to the first matchmaker I was working with and the first promoter, I believe Ethan Ethan was the one that got me that connection. That's pretty awesome. So, from there, um, the training itself... You fought when you your first fight. How much did you fight at? What was your weight? Do you remember? One hundred twenty-five pounds. Dude, now, you're when, not allowed to ask a lady their weight. Oh, when they're fighting, they're allowed. Especially one that could kick her. What do you? What do you? Um, what do you fight at currently now? Still the same weight? My first professional fight, which is supposed to be October first, by the way, a little fight announcement oh, awesome. there. Good. My nice. professional debut mm-hmm, will be at one hundred and fifteen pounds. Oh wow! Do you mind if I ask? What do you weigh now? What do I weigh now? I'm weighing about one hundred and thirty pounds. Hmm. So you guys drop like serious around fifteen pounds, yes. Wow. So the for anybody out there don't doesn't know the theory behind that is uh, you want to be strong, so you want to lose kind of go down a class so you can be strong for that weight class, right? You never really want to go up. Is that correct? The purpose of a weight cut is to pretty much reduce the amount of subcutaneous fat you have on your body. Pretty much any weight that's not necessary or useful towards performance. You're, you're trying to diet off. Okay. And then the water cut, the purpose is to wring the water out of you, like dehydrate yourself, to also get rid of that unnecessary, useless type of weight in a way that you can quickly put it back on for the fight. Okay. That way, the lightest you can get yourself to compete at, yes, you have that advantage there. Because when I 
rehydrate, eat after weigh-ins. You get 24 hours, typically, if not longer, to to kind of refuel after a weight cut. Uh, because they are strenuous, they do take a lot out of you. You can't usually fight um, very shortly after the cut. You need that time to kind of right. recover. But the, the purpose is, yeah, so you can be larger than your opponent. So kind of when weight classes came about, people were like, well, if I'm naturally, you know, a curvier, thicker person, someone who's carrying a lot of, lot of you know, unnecessary weight, I'm going to have a disadvantage against somebody at the exact same weight who is built kind of more lean, muscular. Right. So that's where it kind of came into people are cutting down to the smallest weight, the leanest weight they can they um, survive at in order to either be the same size as the people they're competing at or in hopes that they're larger. Larger. Nice. Now, if you can't... some of it is, you don't, if you don't do it, you're just going to be small. Right. If you don't mind, deep dive a little bit into that, how that like how that looks. How does that kind of a weight cut look for, as far as diet? Uh, I know you talked about water. Do you guys play around with salt at all? Like, do you dip into like your salt intake and kind of biohack that? Uh, so a typical camp, you have usually about six to eight weeks, right? And that's going to be your your cut as well. Uh, camp is the time frame leading up until the fight, which is kind of your, like a basketball or a baseball player would look at it kind of as a season. Okay. There's no on or off season for MMA. So we split the season into week, six to eight week cutlets sprinkled out throughout the year oh, right okay. before your fight. So if you fight four times a year, they're not all in the same season. They're spaced out. So right. we kind of have, it's kind of like a constant up and down kind of chart rather than we go hard from this month to this month. Right. And then this month to this month, you're off, you get to rest. Right. It's kind of more up and down than it is kind of drawn out like that. So yeah, we get shorter rests, but they're more frequently. Mm-hmm. And we get, you know, more frequent active time, in-season time is what I... It can explain it right. so it can be most comparable to other sports. So the camp can be thought of as like season. Yeah. Okay. In season training or whatever. So, you're, so you're pretty much constantly training. You're always training. There's not really many times where you're not training, except for injury or usually right after a fight. We take a week or maybe even two weeks off right after the fight to just let your body recover and heal. So I notice a lot of times you're, um, I see, I get to see you on, like, Jeremy's, so this would be, like, the shameless plug to maybe Jeremy's training, right? And I see you see you training pretty much consistently with Jeremy mm-hmm. doing, I guess that, that's kind of, like, sports-specific um, training. It looks like a lot of explosive stuff, maybe some some things that, like, every time I watch any of that stuff, it's like you're jumping over hurdles and running or doing some kind of crazy. Every time I see it, I'm like, I'd fall flat in my face. Mm-hmm. You know, but... So, like, that kind of training, I'm, um, I'm assuming you do that, like, pretty much year-round, just working on, working on like, footwork and, and being explosive and power and movement? Yep, that's correct. There's no off-season. I'm uh, conditioning and training all of the time. It's just the intensity at which I'm training at is what increases and, like, kind of settles. Right. Now, your strength training itself, um, at what point do we kind of concentrate more on strength and less on... Um, the fight camp itself, is there a time that you say, all right, this is going to be a strength-building phase in our in our training career or in our training um, regimen, or is it kind of just sprinkled in there as needed? 
So the the when there's no fight coming up, or when there's no fights oh. until you know at a point where I'm at now, I'm not fighting until October first. This is a time where I'm trying to build strength, uh, training harder. Okay. Uh, Starting a little bit heavier. And yeah, like that. trying to get trying to get ready. Okay. While you're in camp, you're training hard, but as you creep closer to the fight, your goals become more recovery and just trying to get yourself to what's called the athletic peak. Okay. The athletic peak is where you're trying to pretty much maximize your personal athletic power benefit. Okay. So off season when you're maybe not training as much or your diet's not as as tight, you kind of you always feel kind of, you know, you feel like a good athlete, but there's just the peak is just something where you're extra sharp, you're just extra in tune. Your your cardio is feeling its best. It's not a way you can train all the time without burning out. Right. Which is why you kind of have to play with where you're going to peak at. You want it as close to fight as possible without pushing past your peak and reaching a burnout. That's really awesome to know how like to, to understand how that works. At what point you were trying to peak? What point we come back down and try to work on different avenues, different systems, and shit like that. So um, I know your dad when he was in here one day. We talked about negative energy food. Um, so when you do your negative energy food, that's closer to fight time, right? That's when you're trying to kind of cut out a lot of the weight. The negative energy food would be like things like salad. Um, what else is involved with negative energy food? What well, is that's First off, pretty much just it like It takes brain. more, not to interrupt you, it takes more to digest than it does to fill you, right? So oh, you're okay. burning calories to digest the food, but that food actually isn't going to get that calorically dense to help out, correct? I think that's yeah. what that is. That's pretty much what you're eating the day before the fight. That's not something you can sustain off of for, for long, but that's... At the end of the cut, yeah, you pretty okay. much are just succumb to eating celery. Just enough to keep your body just. I was just pretty much putting your mouth through the motions of chewing, just so you hear your stomach <laughs> shut up. Yeah. That's pretty good way to put it. That's yeah. like the put best way to put that. Yes, that's pretty good. Um, so, what is your what is the most hated part of training and your favorite part of training? Like, oh, what what keeps you in this game as long as you have and keeps you coming back day in day out? And what the part that you go, man. This is tough, and this is what I don't enjoy. Obviously, probably the weight cut, I'd imagine. But some people enjoy the weight cut. Some people find that mentally the best. No, I'm faking that. I mean, I'm I've talked to some people that are like, oh. Those people are asking. Well, I think people say, like, more focused that way. I, I find myself better when, I, when I'm in this weight cut, and I've heard that before, and I'm like, he shit, I don't know if I'd like that. but I understand people feeling that way maybe about camp, and the people are, even me included, like the, uh, the dedication and the discipline you have to put forward because it is very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think many people actually enjoy the actual cut. Camp, I think the camp and cut get confused a lot. So the cut is when you're actually there sucking the water out of yourself, um, getting like hours before you're supposed to step on the scale. The camp is the whole training leading up to the cut and then the fight. Yeah. So Which is pretty awesome. When you're training in, in, in a camp, like who that it, it, that's the kind of stuff I know maybe we maybe we weren't allowed to mention it but like we did see you guys kind of training on like Friday nights every now and then whenever we're mm-hmm. back doing like Friday night at the bar and it looks like it's just other other fighters right so even if they're not preparing for a fight themselves they still participate in camp with you yes yeah, so we are very uh, I consider my teammates my brothers and so uh, we really 
are there for each other. So if one of my brothers are in camp, I'm there for them. I'm going to be there for them. For So, you know, I'm not the, I'm one of the smaller people on the team. And uh, just being a female, just, just how it is, considerably weaker than the rest of my teammates. I don't know if I can put the name weak and you together. That's one thing you <laughs> yeah. definitely are. And I'll tell you that. you. In you comparison really to a 145 professional champion, I'm very weak, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and modest. Yeah, and okay. modest. <laughs> um, but I always try to be there for them to, to just, because they're, they're always there for me. They are there. They're holding pads for me, uh, training with me while I'm, in a cut, while I'm in a camp, supporting me. They're there for my fights. Um, let me take shots on them before I go out to fight and just where we're, you need people you can't do it alone you have it's a very team. lonely sport it is the loneliest sport in the world as they say but you can't do it alone yeah you need um, you need help along the way you need your coaches you need your teammates you need uh, your support system and even as you're you know maybe helping somebody else train for their camp I guess you're probably picking up some cues and picking up some some good habits and, and it's good. It's always great practice, I'm sure, and great mm-hmm. great environment. So I'm sure that helps a lot with the whole team. Yeah, um, if you can walk us through kind of the the um, the mental game of how this works. So as you're going through and you're going through these different stages of preparing for a fight, I know mentally there's got to be a lot of up and up and downs, and, and how you beat the 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 negative part of your head. And how do you change that? You know, know who your opponent might be, and you might start thinking negatively about it. How do you um, how do you overcome that? Well, I think uh, most of it roots back to just, uh, you know, um, partially ego and partially mortality. So whenever you have this obstacle in front of you and you're like, yes, I'm going to go in and fight somebody, you have uh, the, the obstacle of, you know, obviously in a position where you can be very seriously injured or hurt. And for you, for someone who... Well, anyone, nobody obviously wants to be in a position where they're severely injured because that starts to wear on your your health, which mm-hmm. is what you right. have, all you have in this world, right. right, is to look after is your is your health. Because if we don't look after our health, then we start to get issues mm-hmm. and, and then we die. And as an athlete who we are very made self-aware of our health, um, it's also, you know, it brings that to your attention, and then the other part saying the ego is you don't want to get your ass beat in front of your friends and family. Right. <laughs> exactly that's, that's, right. that's basically the, the gist of it. You, yeah. don't, you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose. You don't want to be a loser. You don't want to lose to somebody. You don't want to have to swallow that pill that another person who you put all this time and effort in and all this sacrifice and there's somebody out there that's just better. You did everything you could. You trained as hard as this person, this other human being is just... For whatever reason that you don't understand, they're just better at it than you. That's how it is. And that's the ego. And then also just the... So your your mind will play games with you in, in order to... It thinks it's protecting you from that situation, saving you from the embarrassment or the injury or the pain. But you kind of have to tell your mind, like, you can't keep living in fear of what bad could go wrong. And you got to keep focusing on getting your hand raised, you know, having a beer with your buddies after, you know, uh, watching, watching replays and just seeing how well you did and just seeing all the hard work you put in pay off and just, you know, being proud of yourself. I've heard that before, that, and I've heard a couple fighters say, like, I don't go to a fight 
visualizing me losing. That's not an option. I go with the intent in my mind that I win. I visualize a win. I know I'm going to win. You have to have that mindset. If you have even the slightest inclination that you're going to lose, that that's going to be a mindfuck while you're fighting. So I know a lot of people have that that I'm, I'm going in and I'm willing to die in that that cage because I'm going to win one way or another. Is that kind of the same mentality? Yeah, I mean, things that aren't in your control are not in your control, whether you're stressed and anxious about it or not. And all you have when you're in there, you don't have anybody else with you. You don't have any tools, weapons. You have yourself and your mind. It's not a sport. There's no ball. There's no sticks. There's There's no goalie. There's no you. All you have, the only weapon and tool you have in there is your mindset. That's right. And you're training. Because, you know, I mean, everybody trains, though. Especially the higher-up level you get, everybody trains. And everybody trains hard. Yeah, that's I can true. sit here and tell myself, I'm the hardest worker in the world. I work hard. I work really hard. But I will respect that there's other people in the world that are just like me and work really hard and want yeah. this just as badly as I do. That's pretty awesome. And the only way you can separate yourself from those other people is to just... Be hard as fuck. That's pretty much you, you just are. yeah. You know, I'm trying. Yeah. I definitely have had a to to journey it just like a lot of other people. And my amateur career was full of bumps in the road, and there was there was a lot. There was a there was a there was a trail. There was a bottom point before I really had to decide these things. Uh, but that bottom point has probably also helped you grow, become better, because sometimes rock bottom is, is the best lessons learned is when you're down there, climb out of that hole, going, all right, I've learned a lot. That's never going to happen again. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how we grow. So um, so moving on from that, and I know you have a bunch of questions. I'm going to get into that. Um, but I think that I don't want to steal this next question from you, so let me know if that was one of yours. We were talking about what it's like to prepare for a fight, put everything you have into it, and then all of a sudden someone backs out. I think that was one of your questions. Yeah, because I know... I I apologize. That was one of my questions. Because I I had noticed, so I kind of did some creeping, right? And, like, I was looking at, like, your older social media stuff because you, like, literally recently just finally, like, actually accepted me as a friend. By the way, (laughs) throwing that out there. (laughs) Just going to throw that out there. (laughs) But, like, I had noticed that there was, um... There was, like, some chick you were supposed to fight, and then she, like, backed out, and there was some, like, drama and bullshit... Oh, like yeah. I was, I, I'm a, I'm a comment reader, and I was like reading the comment back and forth, and like seeing the post, and like, people get like, I, that would suck. So like, I'm very, very new into understanding how like this whole, the whole fight camp thing works, or MMA even at all works. But like, so you have this promoter, right? And this promoter sets this fight up for you, and you're in this camp, and like, you're ready to roll, and then this chick just like backs out at the last second or whatever, and leaves you. Hang What the hell? Uh, the first couple times it did happen, it was very upsetting. It was very, uh, I want to say, um, kind of, like, crushing to my morale and kind of, uh, like, demoralizing, I guess, for lack of better words, to where you're, like, especially the situation I've been in now where it's been October when I finally fight will have been a year since I've performed before. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which is very upsetting for me as a fighter who Mm -hmm. wants to obviously compete and be active. Uh, just part of it is just people are human. Like, it's, it's just going to happen. You can't control... Circumstances. You can't control it. You know when you yep. sign up that there's a chance that that could happen. I've seen it where people will show up to the fight and the opponent won't show up. And they're on weight and they already drove out to the venue. 
or they're at the venue and someone did something wrong with the paperwork and they can't put the fight on, or they show up and uh, you you have COVID now, you you can't fight. Right. Your opponent got COVID, you can't fight. Or maybe they didn't even have it, they just failed a test. Uh, I've seen I've seen some stuff, or you know someone's not where they're supposed to be when the when the matchmaker or the, when the, the the commissioner calls to read the rules, so he he cuts the fight right there, literally hours before you're supposed to perform. Man. There's a lot of waterfall up and down emotions with it overall, and some of it's just kind of being content with the fact that you're not going to stay complacent in one place and just kind of be ready for, like, okay, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to get upset, I'm going to feel this way, but it can't take me off of my goal. Because time training in camp is never, it's never wasted. I had to stop looking at it as, oh, I wasted this time. It's all it's, it's all, all money in the bank, yeah. Time. It's all it's all time. It's time on the clock, putting in putting in hours, and it's also like it's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. I like going in there, training for fights, taking in camps. Like you you show up, you don't. It's it's a letdown that I don't actually go out and get to do the thing and perform. But I was gonna be doing the same thing with my time, regardless if I had a fight coming up or not. So it's it's whatever. That's a good point. It sucks, it does, but it's kind of like, what are you going to do about it? Like, people are people, it's real life, like, it's not, like, shit happens, I guess, is kind of how you got to roll with it. It's not the first time, it will not be the last time, it happens to everybody. You're, um, so during your fight career, you know, you know, probably names out here, and, um, but your toughest opponent, who's been your toughest opponent so far? Well, she's actually in the UFC right now. Really? Yeah, her name's Jasmine, Jazz Davizius. I think she's 3-1, 2-1 in the UFC, something like that. Wow. I was 18 years old when I fought her. I just graduated high school. We were fighting out in Ohio. Uh, first round went pretty good. I was piecing her up. Striking was very effective. Uh, I won my previous, this was my fourth fight. I've uh, been dominant my previous three fights in grappling. Grabbing girls, pushing them against the fence, and just being a lot stronger and just bullying them. Well, I tried to bully a bully. This girl was a lot bigger than me. This girl was 30 years old, and this girl was an Olympic trial of wrestling medalist for Canada. Okay. (laughs) I grabbed her. She took me down. I was seconds away from finishing an armbar round number one. Oh, wow. Round ends, and I have a choice to make now. I'm realizing I'm beating her in the striking. I can play a different game and keep the range long and just try to touch her up. Or I can let my ego win and be like, hell no, I'm a good wrestler. I'm, be- I'm a good grappler. I'm the best grappler in this world. I'm going to wrestle you. I'm going to force her to prove to myself I can take this girl down. Guess what dumb little 18-year-old Sydney did? You tried to out-wrestle her. <laughs> you tried to out-wrestle this girl. <laughs> Clinched her again. Spent the whole second round just scrambling all I can, moving. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't ground and pound or try to submit me because I just, I'm squirrely, I'm wiggly. Right. So she was just, she, I mean, I couldn't get up, though. It was, I couldn't get up. And then the third round, same story. I won. I lost. The lost of she had won in the like a really boring, really upsetting, let down fight that I knew that I could have won. So that was a decision. It was a decision. Oh, yes. So you went with a, a current UFC fighter. You went Very three rounds, fight. but you basically held her at bay, and you could have. But if you were to stood up, if you did your stand up, you probably had a chance of beating her. 
She very, her, she left, her lead leg was very torn up from my pendulum kicks, and wow. her forehead was very, she had hematomas, not as bad as Yohan Yong Chechek, not that crazy, but similar type hematomas on her forehead like that, if you guys can, if anyone can visualize. Yeah. Yohan versus... I, I remember that big one she had. Oh, God, that was Yeah, crazy. nowhere near that size. Maybe little, little strawberry-sized ones on her head, but two or three of those. Yeah. And then a couple little bruises on her face, where I left perfectly fine. And I was just like, I just laid down on the ground for six minutes and let this slip away. <laughs> but you know what? Live and learn. Again, that's one of the things. Yeah, those are lessons. Learn. I mean, like yeah. you said about other stuff, it's, it's, it's time in. It's, it's money in the bank because now you know those things and you would maybe make different decisions based on those. 18 years old and you were fighting somebody that, you know, I mean, win, lose, or draw, you fought an Olympic trial wrestler and you in a MMA match and you held your own. That's... that's that yeah. itself is pretty impressive. Yeah, I guess if you're going to lose. I, I mean, get told that a lot, but for me, I yeah, yeah, I guess that's, that's a level. Like, right. She's that, but I'm I'm that, too. You are that, too. Exactly. I'm like, right. I'm like, it's just, it's not, oh, well, this person is just, like, so amazing. It's okay to lose to them. It's like, when you want, when you're someone who wants to be the best, it's like, it doesn't, it's like, no, I should have won that fight, and I should have beat her. And yeah, you either are. And I like that. Yeah, I like that. Now, did you guys talk afterwards? We, we did, and I yeah. actually made plans to go out there and, and train a little bit, but yep. uh, it just never kind of uh, pushed through. But I do hope in the future that I do get the opportunity to to see her again, train with her. We are competing in different weight classes at the moment, but I would not be opposed to having a rematch with her. I've noticed you do a lot of different camps. You travel around and go to different places. Um, what's probably one of the better ones you've been to outside of the girl house, obviously? I love to travel. I love to see what other people are doing, even if I don't like the style of fighting or the what they're doing there it's just nice to see to get an idea of what else is going on and just in the world like see what other people are doing see their ideas because that yeah. can make you i think a kind of a good quality to have in mma is being well-rounded and the yeah. best way to be well-rounded and adverse is to travel see other gyms see what they have roll with different people you got to see what everybody has just to, you know, say, oh, man, that, that's... You might be able to put something in your arsenal that you never saw before that could make or break you at a certain point, so... Exactly. Yeah. Even if it's, like, some small gym that doesn't have that many people, but there's just good work to be had there, I mean, I'm down. I will go to as many gyms as I can visit in my lifetime, physically possible. Yeah. Um, the gym that I would say that I have liked the best that I have visited would... Oh boy. Probably Nika Tones out in Jersey only because of the amazing sparring work I was able to get with uh, a couple UFC uh, greats. Mm -hmm. uh, Pioneer, Sajara Eubanks, uh, The Ultimate Fighter 18, the one that Ronda Rousey and me should take coached. Okay. She was the finalist until she had some liver issues to where she couldn't make the final weight cut and uh Two other girls, Nika Montano and someone else, fought for the title instead of Sarge. I can't remember who took her place and yeah, fighting for that. But um, she would have been the interim, the first ever uh, flyweight champion of the UFC had really? she not had that. Yeah. What was wrong with her liver? Cutting. Oh, is that Liver failure from cutting, yeah. Oh, she had liver failure. Liver I didn't failure. know. Oh, man. Yeah. God, so, so her career was done? No, she's been fighting since. Yeah, she's, she's, she's had a bunch of fights since okay. then. She's still in the UFC. Mm -hmm. She just has to be careful what she cuts in just to make sure she doesn't... No, she's fine now. It's just, it's just something that happens, happens, yeah. Just uh, When you're in the ultimate fighter, the, situ the, the 
the point of it is to be hell. It's like, not that fight camp isn't hell already, but the ultimate fighter is meant to break you. Yeah. It's like MMA boot camp. You're separating, you're separate, separating from... Well, you're also yeah, being yeah. asked to cut very frequently within the t- short amount of time. She probably had to make that cut four times within two months. Yeah. Which wow. is way more than what you're usually asked to do. But and as someone who was a larger... She knew, yeah, she knew going in. But someone who is larger competing at that, that was a hard cut for her. And, I mean, I really admire her for wanting, taking the opportunity and just, you know, sucking it up and just doing what she had to do to chase her dreams. But um, it is really sad that her body quit on her before she could follow through. But it's also admirable that her body quit on her before her mind does, which a lot of people... They puss out before they, you know, see through. Yep. Long before they're ever faced with actual organ failure. Like, it's not good, obviously, to push your body to that limit. Yeah, right. There's definitely nothing. She's, she's, she's a badass. That's all I can say about Sarge. That's pretty impressive. Do you have someone that, like, um, like maybe, like, I don't know, like Ronda Rousey, or is there somebody in that that you kind of look up to that you're like, Man, that person's kind of got it. Got it. Like that's what that's what I want. Uh, my favorite all time UFC fighter is Daniel Cormier. He's actually retired. He's a Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, Daniel Cormier. I really love Daniel Cormier. I really love his mindset. He just yeah. really seems like he just really for me embodies what the sport is about and what being a champion's about. I don't really tend to relate or understand kind of more of the. McGregor mindset mentality of people in the sport or, you know, a lot of the other people who, like, are very they cheat necessarily you know, they're having the drug issues they're, you know Nate Diaz's of the world yeah, disrespectful things in the cage spitting, cheating like, greasing Punching people after the ref tells you to stop. Just, you know, just, you know. Dirty shit. There's people, like, there's, the, you could name ten yeah. off. We could name ten different, each of us off our head, people like that. you got to respect your opponents. I mean, without the opponents, you don't have a sport. So, I mean, a lot of times, a lot of those guys come in there, McGregor is one of them, would talk shit on his opponents so bad. Like, I get the, the mentality, but at the same time, you got to respect your opponent for the most part. Because without your opponent, you don't have a career. Think about it. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there, there's a... It just really shows their broken character. Yeah. And that's not... A lot of people have the idea and the vibe when they think of MMA that it's a bunch of, you know, people with their shirts off, drinking beer, yelling just bleed, and the fighters are, you know, people who grew up in Compton and are fighting to make a buck. And it's just grown so far from that, and it's not the shit show for a lack of a better yeah. word that it that UFC one was for per se. It's not really the hair pulling, ball kicking, free for all for angry people that just need to let their demons out that it used to be. It's a respected sport Correct. about people who just really are interested in just seeing who they are. Like you really have to you really are the layers of you are peeled away and like being in that situation that high stress, high adrenaline situation just really forces you to face yourself. You find yourself. Mm-hmm. You do. You find yourself within. Now, I've never been in your position, um, but I know with 
playing around with MMA and boxing and everything in my in you know my life, you really do find yourself because you have to kind of you have to man up or woman up and sometimes do things you're kind of scared to do and then all of a sudden you do and you're like, wow, that wasn't bad as I thought it would be. It just builds you as yeah. a better person. But I can imagine going to a cage, um, going into you know combat against somebody else hand to hand where it's just you and the other person. There's so many so many levels of finding yourself there. There's so many things you're going to learn about yourself. Uh, and that's where true growth is going to happen inside of a cage or yeah. a ring or wherever else you go to. Witherspoon so. was on here once. He says it's yeah. the best. He says he told us once after training um, in the gym, and, you know, you always have those couple people in the class who you can tell just aren't giving it 100. They think this fag girl's dumb. They just want to spar. They're, right. you know, tired today, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's like, look, you guys can lie to me. You can lie to Instagram. You can post whatever you want. You could say you're doing a hundred things he goes jumping in the cage you can't lie in there that's right you can facade and facade and kind of throw smoke and mirrors to a point to an extent Mm -hmm. but at some point what's truly inside you your worth ethic of the work that you actually did put in the truth and the raw realness of it is exposed in the end in this sport you can't Hide, hide from it and lie when you get in that cage. That's right. And so people, you'll see people that have they'll have a couple million Instagram followers. They'll run their mouth. They'll have all the fancy new gear, the combat yeah. corner sponsor, pictures with all the greats. They're at the they're sitting front row at the UFC card. Yeah. Why won't you get in the cage with me then? That's right. Why I, when they pass you that that contract with my name on it? Why are you saying no? They want the fame, not the hard work. That's why. They they want to take all the fame, but they don't want to they don't want to have to put the the work in that requires to have that. You're never you know? going to be a champion in never. my sport. There's people that can lie never. and facade and get success in other sports because they are popular and because they're just uh just emotional manipulators and they can kind of give this aura off to other people that they're almost better or cooler than they are yeah. and just. You can't live that lie because you will get exposed. That's right. Yeah, that's going to be one of those sports where you, you only can live that for so long before you somebody's going to call you out, and then you're going to... They die off. They yeah, don't stay around. You either put up or shut up at one point in time in your life, and if you... Beautiful example is Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, Ooh, look at her now. Yeah. She turned into... Yeah, she she's jumped around so much, and now she's just... I don't know if, what, I mean, what she does now. She was all the talk. She was going to be the next great champion when she was in the UFC at 18 years old. That was going to be the next big thing... Super popular, going to be the next star, going to be the next champ. And now what? Then what? You don't train. You don't do. You don't do the work. You don't put it in. You don't actually follow this fighter lifestyle. If you're not actually really about it in your heart, it will show yep. eventually. Do you think that's what happened to like Ronda Rousey at the end there? Whenever like, so she was on that high, right? She had ridden ridden that for a long time, where it was she was just it was the best there is. I'm 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 that person, and then. All of a sudden, you start maybe taking shortcuts and things because you you're, you get that in your head and just. I think that's almost a little different. She's not. I think so she lost much. passion. I think after after she fought um, Holly Holmes, right? She got beat. I think after that, she started. She had some damage on that one, right? She had. What did she have? She had. She broke her. She orbital. broke her jaw. She broke her orbital bone. Uh, a little other damage. Same thing with the Amanda Nunez fight. I don't think she started not working hard. I think that was the ego and not wanting to adapt and change. Like, the sport kind of started to grow. Yeah. And she had her way of how she was doing things. 
and she had her coaches and she had her and she didn't want to make that jump some of that's loyalty toxic loyalty to where she was so loyal to somebody that wasn't good for her she couldn't leave that boxing coach because she just you know right, right. she was just to, so and then ego, not knowing how to handle a loss yeah. from being so dominant, and that's where I think I'm that would be rough. Yeah, that would, I mean that would be very, very hard. After the couple of losses she has, you could just you just you just saw the change in her, and then that's when she, I think you started seeing her just kind of lose a little bit of like the pizzazz that she had. She had that she had all the momentum, and then that loss just kind of stopped it. And that's what they say. You know, you'll see real you know, real champions if they take a loss like that, how they come back. That yes. really you'll really see the, the heart of a champion if. If they crawl out of the ashes and get back into that into that ring, and unfortunately for her, maybe it was just because she did it for so long. I mean, she was in the Olympics, then judo. Maybe she just lost interest and she wanted to go a different route. I don't know, but it was definitely um, it was questionable when she quit. Yeah, it is easy to point that finger and to be like, "Oh, you couldn't come back from the loss," but yeah, we don't know what she was going through. It's very, it's very when when you're when you sustain those many injuries mm-hmm. and your kind of world's rocked like that. Yep. It's easy to say, you know, yeah, like you should have just, but it's not something easy to do. Right. Had yeah. she come back from that and said, you know what, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be ranked, but I'm not going to be the champ. I'm going to have to work my way back up. That would have been astounding yep. and crazy. That's not something you can just expect somebody to do. It's not surprising how she reacted because that's almost like the normal route of how most people would react. Someone who I believe is truly built to have been in the position where everyone thought she was, mm-hmm. that crazy dominant of a champion, she would have had to come back oh, and yeah. gotten better striking, and she would have had her second win tear. Yep. I think if she would have, if she would have developed there, uh, kind of how Kayla Harrison is deciding to do. She's very dominant on the ground, similar to Rousey, similar style. She's working her ASS off over there with the striking though, and uh, over there in Florida, yep. Coconut Creek. So I started to see where there's differences. But it, honestly, at the end of the day, it comes down to just what do you want to do? Do you want to only fight if it's easy and you're smashing girls in 15 right. seconds? If you, don't wanna, yeah. if you don't want to do that hard work in the cage and you don't want to face that, okay, yeah, fine. Go do what it's doing. Do something else instead. Right. Have somebody cherry pick your all your opponents for you. Don't get anything hard. You're just not built for this. Yeah. It's, there's no, no shame in not being built to be a fighter. Not a lot of people are fighters, can be fighters. I think there are people, even that are even at that that level, you see who are kind of you know, maybe not truly fighters, but they're somehow finagling their way either through fame or you know, some other vice. But a lot of people. Do you think there's a lot of um, They're not champions, though. That's the only difference. Well, how many people are out there, like fighters that are even getting on the verge of going pro or already pro and, you know, everybody give them a lot of credit, but they've had their career padded, which means they're fighting the fights that they almost are guaranteed win. A lot. Yeah, there's a lot to do. (laughs) I could name you a couple couple pros in Pittsburgh right now. And that that drives me nuts because, like you said, you're you're not... You're not taking the you're not a real fighter. Yeah, you're not. You're you're you're, you're not, living a lie. You're not taking the hard fights. You're well, you're simply just getting everything padded to make yourself look good, and then I just don't agree with that. Like you're so, not. how much of that is? I actually had it on mine, so my list. So like like, what's it like having a promoter? How much of it is the promoter though? You know, I mean, how much of it is your 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 people cherry picking fights and you're because do you really have a lot of a lot of choice in who you fight? The promoter does what you ask them to, and if you are somebody who can sell a lot of tickets. You know, you're, you're popular, you got that Instagram following, people like you, you can sell tickets, that promoter will do what you want them to do. Is that that right? promoter will get you a can fight, 
if you want a can fight and you're bringing 300 people to the show because some of it's business and it's money I mean that's what the program he's all about making money for that promotion so which is just how some of it is I mean whatever you put on a great performance you put on a show for your family and you beat some can up that's all it is though it's a little show it's an act you go sit at the AMC theaters and see the same thing. It's not real. It's not oh, real. Man. You're That's not true. really fighting. You hire the uh, stunt dummy double to, to go beat up on. Like, I don't see it as anything different than that. That's a good point. But, I mean, that's exactly how you... It's what I mean, that's sure what's going on. So. so what does this promoter do for you? Promoters are somebody who owns a promotion... They are, you know, they put their shows on. As far as the actual, what they do for actual fighters, that the matchmaker is who puts the fights together. So the promoter owns the cage, owns, like, buy, rents out the venue, but prints the tickets out. You know, they do that stuff. The matchmaker is in charge of selecting people to fight together. A manager is someone who works particularly for just one fighter. That's separate from the the promoter has their own matchmaker. Promotions matchmakers are completely separate from a management. Okay. So promoters don't... 247, Ryan does a lot for me personally just because of a... um, Just a business relationship that we have. Who runs that? It can be... 247? Yeah. Ryan Middleton. Middleton, that's it. Promoters doing stuff for fighters individually is not common if they're not usually the ones working directly with the fighters uh, most of the promotions i've fought for the i don't even talk or see the promoter yeah you're talking right. you're working with the matchmaker the commissioner the referee your manager is the one that sometimes will get you connections to fights and the manager has a whole different ray of but promoters just someone who owns a fight promotion right he, he's in charge of the venue, getting the fighters in there, getting asses in seats. That's kind of what his, his job is. Uh, yeah, the, as far as actually matching fights, contacting fighters, that's the matchmakers. That's the matchmaker, yeah. yeah. So you can't go and find fights yourself? You would have to contact a matchmaker for that promotion. You can't independently message promoters and our promotions, their Facebook pages. Their, there's um, groups and forums to where you can say, hey, I'm X way X amount of fights blah 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 get me in there yep and then there's also um management companies that they they kind of reach out to them for you that's pretty awesome you have have other you have more questions of course yeah listen I have a lot of questions Sid's like oh god you're good oh it's gonna like I'm real nervous now (laughs) so so when you have um the 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 atmosphere here right so like you've got kind of you're, you were kind of born into like this uh, this situation where you've got parents that have a gym right you got your dad who's like a pretty big hard ass let's be honest sorry Ray Ross please don't hit me <laughs> you got your mom who's even more of a hard ass right she's like pretty crazy and she does some pretty wild training um, what's it like having your dad for a coach for all everything right so like every sport you've done he's kind of been a part of right that dude's been coaching me for t-ball when I was like five years old <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of people have things to say about the the parent being the coach and just like the controlling and the, the just how the kids gonna react or you know I mean, people have their things for why you're a parent. But I think um, honestly, it's been a blessing because no coach is gonna Darren. I'm very grateful for Darren. He he cares about his fighters like they're his own kids, which is not not the case for a lot. Like there's a lot of gyms in Pittsburgh I've seen where the coaches are not very caring or considerate towards their fighters. 
Um, but when you get to your parent, he cares about my career like it's his own. Right. So he's not going to, you know, you can feel part of when you go to fight is just being confident in your camp, the training you did, that. Right. And I know that they're going to push me as hard as they can. They're not going to let me underperform, undertrain. They're not going to let me go and fight unprepared because that's my dad. That's right. You're his daughter, and he's going to do everything he can to make sure you're in there safe and well-prepared. That's what makes that, you know, a good thing. When you have, I don't want to say two strangers, but just two strangers. Just (laughs) two people you walked into the gym like, hey, I'm going to fight. Oh, cool. Yeah. What are you fighting? Like, whatever. You know, you don't even, you don't know what the hell you're getting yourself into. They're going to be, I mean, they're going to look out for your best interest, but... Not 100%. When you have your father on your side, he's yeah. making sure everything is is in order. And he'll, and he'll tell you, hey, listen, you're not ready or you are ready because yeah. he doesn't want to see you get hurt. So it has that happened. Has he ever told you, hey, Sid, listen, don't take that fight. That's a bad decision. No, no, because we, we never turn anyone down because of the level I'm at. I don't need to cherry pick opponents or fights. I'm not turning away from any fight. The only thing that he will confront me about as far as, um, you know, like... It's sometimes about the attitude during training, and then sometimes just about, you know, just sometimes if you don't want to do practice or whatever, you should go, or you're sitting there kind of hauling out, okay, like, pick it up, like, yeah. just more attention than you would get probably for uh, from a, a typical coach. Like, he yeah. puts his heart and soul in training. That he does. He's very good at it. And so he just got promoted, right? What's that? He just got promoted for jujitsu, correct? Oh, just, but, uh, not super recently, but yes, kind of recently. Good. I saw that. Yeah. Okay. So um, each belt. I do down. believe he's at his fifth degree black belt now. Yeah, for... Oh, crap, how many degrees are there? It keeps going on. Oh. So how hard oh, does that? it? You get your first black belt, right? Two years into being a black belt, you get your second one. Three years on of being a second degree black belt, so you're at five years now. This one, you get your third one. Three years of being a third degree black, or four years, excuse me, of being a third degree black belt is when you get your fourth degree. And five years of being a fourth degree black belt. So it's not like five years total right. of being, a, it's five years of being a fourth degree black belt, which you already had all that. There's, I mean, there's one or two people alive that have made it to like ninth or tenth. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I kind of want a belt. What's like the, what's there like a green belt for like the first? You gotta start, you gotta start at the bottom, buddy. Start at the white and work your way through. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta oh boy. Get you gotta he's like, green belt? Yeah, he's like, can I just start a green and see You don't get any color. Yeah, you get your ass with a few times and then earn it. They do that with And then you gotta watch, you gotta watch the promotion ceremony once. The promotion ceremonies are pretty cool. I've, I've watched one. They're really cool. When your dad was on here, I was like, I watched you like go to shake somebody's hand and then you like throw them around a little bit and he's like, yeah, that's pretty much what we do. And I was like, what a dick. (laughs) I thought you were shaking my hand. That's how it works. Needless to say, I'll never shake your dad's hand. (laughs) So what do you, um, what class do you teach her? I currently teach the low impact strengths and I teach... Uh, I'm helping OG right now. I saw you yeah, have kids call. Um, Fridays, I'm teaching a teen MMA program. So when you are, uh, obviously you're talking years down the road because you have a hell of a career ahead of you. When your career, when you retire from um, MMA, do you plan on becoming a coach? I am 22. No plan on. I plan on fighting until as I said. I know I'm you like have, 35. Yeah. I, know you so have I, could, a uh, career I have no idea where I'll be on life then. I'm so. currently coaching now. I do enjoy coaching. It's just a little tough. 
with um with my own schedule to to work a lot of it in but I do enjoy coaching um especially the teenagers because I feel like it really helps my own I think Einstein or Newton someone said if you can describe something perfectly that's when you finally mastered the concept yeah if you can teach it if you know something so well that you can teach it to somebody else that's when you know you have mastered something and I do notice little nuances and just like kind of I get better as a fighter through coaching yeah I can see that for sure so I have, I have a question. This is a crazy question, but I have to ask this. All right, so, because I have kids, I don't know how they fight. So you and Rachel, right? You guys have mm-hmm. been growing up together. Would you guys, like, do you currently get into, like, fist fights at all? I oh, kinda, God, no. Oh, <laughs> sure. Oh, well, listen, shit. my kids fist fight all the time. I mean, that's what I mean, they Rage do. is out there. We can go grab her. But, but like, I, I feel like that's a terrible I'm, just, I'm like, hmm, I wonder what happened in there. I can imagine you and her, like, going at them. Like, how would that work out? When we were younger, I think we, we tussled a, little, a lot more. But we... As we're adults, we are not yet. No. My kids have decided that that's probably the best way to do things. It's like each other not cute time. anymore. It's illegal now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably go to prison siblings. if I hit Rachel. Now there's a. She's very quiet, but she's tough though too. She's she's tougher than most people think. I've watched her in that bar rock club. My gosh, she's. Rachel's. She's just like mom. Rachel's tough. Yeah. yeah. So that's. But she went kind of a different route. She was a runner. And I can see she's really making some strides in the barbell club, so... Huh. I don't want to say so much as her different path was running. She's always been... She has the same worth ethic and, okay, like, yeah. drive that I do. She just kind of put more of her energy towards um, schooling, I guess. Yeah. Like, her, she's very... Um, she's got for engineering. Dedicated for, yes. Yeah. And she's on schedule to graduate, which is a lot of people have to take extra classes. And I do believe she has like a 4.0. She's on the wow. honor schedule. Yeah, she's she's, super she's smart. very, very, yeah. Yeah. Very, very smart. So outside of the, the fighter of Sid, Sid Ross as outside of the uh, outside of the cage, what do you do? Like, what, what do you like to do as, you know, for your passions to help kind of decompress from the fight world? Or is this kind of, this is you 24-7? It is very, that's a, I started to um, branch out and tried to, have been trying to start doing more hobbies because it was, it can become a problem whenever your entire identity and your entire life day in, day out is eat, sleep, train. Right. Gets to you after a while. And that's the lifestyle you have to live if you're going to compete because there's a million other girls out there, eat, sleep, train. Yep. But you kind of have to, I mean, you're a human being at the same time. you got to also have a quality of life outside of just doing the same thing every day. So I've been kind of getting into, uh, I do like being outside and kind of doing, uh, like, I, like, hiking. Um, we, my family went, goes on vacation out west a lot. We... Some kind of right? mm-hmm. I just saw that. That was nice. Rock scrambling, kayaking. Rock scrambling. Yeah, so it's basically like rock climbing, but instead of like climbing up the side, it's more of like a trail. Oh, okay. Where it's like you sometimes you're walking, then you kind of have to navigate yourself mm-hmm. through some rocky terrain, and then you like keep going on. That's so instead of up, yeah. it's kind of like just a yeah. So it's like a hike on steroids. Pretty much, That's it's like cool. parkour. Yeah, scrambling yeah. through the 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 woods. So you do a lot of outdoorsy hiking. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. A lot of adventure stuff. I try to enjoy things like that. Um, so often, yeah, just like walks outside. Um, 
Just just stuff that's healthy for you to do, a hobby that's not going to affect my training. Right. Because uh, uh, people's hobbies are going to the bar. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> no, that's not my hobby either. Only on Friday nights. Actually, <laughs> it's funny yeah, you said that. Not to change the subject, you see Fox News put a thing out. They are um, somebody just put a uh, research paper out saying that nobody under the age of forty should ever drink alcohol ever. That's how bad it is for so you. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret, <laughs> and you're going to be maybe shocked, surprised, or whatever. But when I started my whole like journey of like fitness and finding the person that I am now today. Um, I stopped watching the news, reading anything. I don't care if it's Fox News, CBS. I yeah, care. I don't watch the news much. That pops up. What I do care people. about is what I can see and what goes on around yeah. me. Yeah, and Other that's than a nice that, negative vibes is yeah. all that is. That, that is such a smart mindset there. to have. Like, I tell people, it's always going to be out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can Listen, turn it on at any point. I work with people that just live that they they watch every news media. They'll come into work like, did you hear about this? I'm like, I don't like that. Don't is care. nothing but a negative environment for me that does nothing but create chaos and havoc in my head. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't need it. I know that. I know that's wrong. People say you should pay attention to politics and understand what's going on in the world. But not if it's going to affect me mentally, where I become this like anxiety-filled person because of what's going on in the world that I can't really fix right now. So I'm you not. A, I mean? I'm not a very like intellectual person. I'm pretty much like the dumb bag of rocks. But like, <laughs> as as a college student, I have to pay attention to like things with college and things like and, right. and all that. You know, and doing business and running businesses. That's sort of what I do. So like that part of it, I know. But. You need to realize that news media, and I know we'll go off on a tangent now, this is what we normally do. We, we news news medias are what? They are a business, right? Mm-hmm. So that news company just managed to work their way into a local podcast by putting out information that we don't even know is true or not, right? Yeah. People have been drinking for years. We all know of stories of people that are 100 years old. They hit triple digits. Like, yeah, I remember like when I was nine was years old, and day. the biggest thing to do was I was like, I'm going to be 10 tomorrow. I'm going to be double digits. After that, I got nothing to look forward to, maybe triple, right? <laughs> But yeah. that, that news media managed to get into a conversation that you had with somebody else, managed to make it onto here, all by putting some posts out there that we don't even know is true or not. And they're a business, so guess what? They were successful. Because when it comes to research papers like that, there's always cherry-picked information. Like, yeah. so what were they, who did they test? What kind of alcohol were they drinking? Or as it How turns much out, were they drinking? in like, small print, it said, you know, anyone with diabetes under the age of 40 should never drink. Right, right. You know, it's or always, anybody with mental health problems, something which we it. can't say, or back pain. Yeah. You know, lower back issues is what the problem. Those people, they should never drink. Okay, well, good luck figuring that out. You know, that's all it is, though. It's a big game. It's always something. It is. When yeah. I unplugged I the television it. I, and I, I stopped it. reading the newspaper, my life got exponentially better. Yes. I think people yeah. are so stressed about doing everything right that they're not doing anything at all. Yes. Yeah. 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 Everybody is in, in, in business, like today is a great example. We can yell at people for doing the wrong thing all the time, but at the end of the day, all you did was create people that now don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, they're so concerned that, oh, I don't want to get yelled at again, so I'll just do nothing. I'd rather get yelled at for not doing anything than doing something wrong. Yeah. So, one more really weird question, and this is, I'm like the mental health <laughs> guy, right? I'm like the guy that always asks, like, weird questions because, like, mm-hmm. I like to be in touch with my mental health a little bit. the hell are you doing? As a beautiful young lady, getting in the ring and getting punched in the face. Why in the world would you want to do this? Um, well, I just feel like people, uh, I mean, I don't, it's just what I want to do. As far as, like, the the whole thing with the, the vanity, though, I just feel like it's not something, I feel like people who try to capitalize, if they have that, and use it as a, they're constantly, their way of life and their business is revolved around someone else's opinion. Right. Are you what's considered 
you know, attractive enough to be but for your product or whatever you're doing, my tickets to get sold, people to but do my 10% sponsorship deal, mm -hmm. whatever. That crazy. I was very heavily by many people in my career been like, oh, you're, you're so pretty. You should, you should model. Like you get so many fans. And I just like, so what you want to do though? What type of fans am I going to get though? Right. Yeah. The 40 year old dude that sits in a beanbag chair in his mom's basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's right? not yeah. going to be. You don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. The fan I want is like the little girl who's like, you know, that maybe just, you. yeah, they just like, they, they don't feel strong. They don't feel tough because maybe there something else is going on in their life that's out of their control. And they just, you know, good for you. And you're going to be a bastard of your sport. You want a little, you want, like you said, people to come up and be like, an actual like fight fan yeah. to watch my fights, right. people, other coaches, other fight critics, like people that are watching because they're like, holy shit, Sydney's really good at fighting. Right. I want to see what she's, she's doing. I want to analyze her. And that's just not, so there's people that are kind of worried about the actual fighting. They're not really, they don't really care what you look like. They're yeah. just, they're watching you because the people that, the bitch who want to be your fans, mm -hmm. that you're actually, you're always going to get a weirdo that's like got a photo of you in his ba mom's basement. Like you're always going to have right. that guy, but um, I, like you can't avoid this, but it's not got to be, I don't want to sell my soul just to make money in this game. Yeah. But how often would it be, like you said, 35, 40 years old, come to the end of your career, and all of a sudden the up and cover goes, I'm here because of Sid Ross. Because when I was a kid, I watched her fight, and I want to be just like her. I came from tough time. Whatever her situation might be, but you are going to be, like, you're going to be a forerunner for these people that are coming up through as a, a younger generation. You can actually be setting the stage and putting things in motion for these younger people as a female to say, hey, I want to be a fighter, and that... They look up to you. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Like that would. I be owe that awesome. to them because that's what was done for me. We talked about Ronda Rousey earlier. She was a girl who wasn't like she. Dana White in 2014 said women will never be in the UFC. No, we're not putting women in the UFC. Mm -hmm. Like he almost kind of an attitude like that's crazy. Why would we? Why are we going to put? Why are we going to put chicks in the? No. Some of the best fighters no. I see right now are females. Chicks walk around half naked holding the round sign. They don't get in the cage. But yeah, that was kind of like the ideology back there. So if we kind of make it to where we're, we're looking cute in cage wearing our outfits or whatever, what more are you than a ring girl really at that point? Right. Ronda Rousey went in there, and she made him change his mind. She changed the face of, of how we were. Yeah, because she was. She, I mean, you could say, like, oh, she didn't catch up with the times or whatever. She was a badass. Yeah, she, she went was. in there. The, she had the mean mug. She was she was doing movies. She Her tits weren't out. She was just badass. Right. Like, she, she looked like she was... There to mess somebody up. She was there to fight. And that's who that's who I kind of like wanted to be like when I was watching her fights growing up from really impressionable years. Yep. And I felt like maybe I could have easily been influenced by like you know maybe a Kardashian or someone else if Ronda Rousey hadn't been around. Thank and God, Ronda like, <laughs> And then she had encouraged me and a lot of other people probably the way she did by, and she you know she got a lot of other people's respect by that and yep. she. Did you ever watch her documentary? I did. Yeah, I, I read it, her I, book. I actually watched it last night because oh, I kind of wanted to like be prep myself and have some knowledge of like because I'm I'm real dumb when I I wasn't joking when I said that, but like if you watch that, you really do understand that she is not. That's not a game. It's not a game for her. Mm -hmm. like, at no point was it. And if you watch yeah. it, so like they they follow her a, a, for a long period of time. There's a lot of cameras around her, and, and they show her at like. 
her apartment in the beginning, right? So like, she barely had enough yeah. money to have this yeah. shitty ass apartment, and she walked and or rode or bike or ran to training every day, you know, two and three times a day at points. And like they were, they would she'd come back home, and the, the place would be like half flooded, and she was just like, ah, fuck it, and like pushed the water outside and just like kept going with things. And then like towards the end of that documentary, it's actually kind of comical because like they're moving out of that house and into another one. And if you've ever seen it, like the house that she's moving out of is like, yikes! It looks like something from maybe like from Jackass, like the original a couple years of Jackass, where there's some craziness going on there. There are like holes in the walls and like. She just didn't care. Like, to her, it didn't matter. But what was important to her was, like, she's got... Yeah, yeah, she's got, like, belts. She's got, like, awards. She's got medals. And she's packing that stuff up like it's gold. And that's all... Like, when she left that house, you could tell she had, like, moved on to a lot more money, obviously, from things. things. Right. But, like, when she left that house, she literally left that house with, like, a box of stuff and, like, a couple pictures of people that had an influence on her life. And, like, she was, like, the rest of that stuff, it doesn't matter. That's so common. Um, That's, like, such a common story for a lot of men in the MMA, like in the UFC, you hear that same story over and over again. They came up rags to riches over and over again. Your Romero, Israel Adesanya, Anderson Silva, I can go on and on and on. He was another one, broke us out, now he's a millionaire. But he, you never heard anything about that, like the type from a woman having that determination, dedication, drive for a sport. There were people out there like that, but just, you know, for her to be highlighted. I think in, Rose. I think they highlighted Rose, right? Rose kind of didn't get her mental game together until after the Ronda Rousey era. Yolanda yeah, was the yeah. champion at the same time. Yeah. Um, but kind of like to. You know, that level of success for someone like her still hasn't been reached again since her. Yeah. No one has made a million dollars. No woman nope. has made a, like a million dollars off of a USC title fight. They will. It's coming. Because it, it I, will. I can tell you as a fan of the UFC, again. I'd rather, right now the women I think are putting out better fights. They fight harder. They fight with more passion. They're bringing everything they have into that. I think guys are, I'm not saying all the guys, but I'm noticing it's just, it just seems like the girls are in there, like you said, they got something to prove. They're coming in there showing everybody they belong in that sport as much as everybody because they do, and they just put one hell of a show on. And I, I love watching women. It's getting, it's getting more, it's getting better, yeah, because they're, they're, they're definitely coming a longer way, and mm-hmm. I feel like some of the judgment that comes from people who are like, oh, the girls just aren't as good as the guys Bullshit. fighting. Bullshit, I disagree. Well, well, when someone makes that comment, my th- only thing is, how long, much longer has it been acceptable, not even acceptable, just normal, for guys to fight and do... If you look at UFC 1 versus... I think Ronda Rousey's first fight was like on UFC 150 or something. Yeah. Was it that? 150 shows before women were... Look at the head start that the men got on training opportunities. That, That competing with the other UFC fighters puts you at such another level. Yeah. Competing at that level, the other girls that were fighting, they were in strike force and big. They weren't getting that competition the, against each other like you were in the. They weren't getting the training and the opportunities, and they weren't getting the cameras on them as much. People didn't know girls were fighting, so other girls weren't learning about it and getting into the sport. I like if you give them time to catch up, the quality of the fights will get better. Yeah. If you look at UFC one versus today, those dudes were not as good back then as they are now. No, my no, God, no, 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 no. That's the evolution. It's the evolution of the sport. Yeah. And just like everybody else, say like, you could be at the top of your game. You might be the, the greatest champion right now. We're still so new. We have well, so much more room to gain as an evolution. Yeah. Yeah. But just as UFC as or MMA as as a sport. 
it grows so fast and mm-hmm. you might be great at something and you might be sitting on top of the world and that's gonna be short lived because somebody's gonna have your number and then people get better and better and better and better and then the one thing you thought was great no longer, you know, is great. It's a constant chase. Constant chase. People you can't get comfortable at the top. Yeah. You just can't gotta always gotta be close with it. So So how do you deal with you know, the how do you deal with the loss? I mean we talked about we danced around that and I'm I'm the heads on guy. Yeah. Like like we, I, mean, I don't think we dance around. I think I just we might have forgot to ask. Scott was nervous. Let's be real honest. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm not scared. You, you cry. You talk to your coaches. They tell you what you did wrong. When you're ready, you rewatch the fight and you do better the next time. That's right. It's awful. It really because of how much effort and sacrifice you put in, and almost after a loss, you make. Is this for me? Is am I, am I worth it? Am I worthy of? But then you also, you, you just kind of got to move on from that. You got to think about what you did wrong, why you lost. Or maybe you're just competing with someone that you're not at that level yet. Like, whatever the reason is, you identify it, and then you just keep training. It's like the answer to everything is just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Just keep going. Yep. Just keep going. Because, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. We're not just fighting anything, though. You know, the person kicked out of this school, and they end up being a millionaire or whatever. They... You know, like, their first business didn't work. And then, you know, the Ford, the Wright brothers, Einstein, Michael Jordan didn't make his middle school basketball right. team. You know, the stuff like that you hear about all the time. So you really can't put Lost your... Growth. You can't let it get too hard to your ego. That's the thing. Right. You just can't You just can't get too high when you win. You can't get too low when you lose. You always got to try to stay steady, stay focused. Good for you. That is such a strong mindset to have. It just... Um, hey, I, again, I hate to see you lose, but at the same time, to see you lose and come back with that mindset, mm-hmm. it, it makes it worth it. It really. Well, I hate to say, it doesn't make it worth losing, but you know what I mean. It I'm makes almost, it. I'm almost a big fan of of like I, in my career and in my life, I've had some things that I did that I was like, ah, shit, I probably shouldn't have done that. You Everybody, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, you know. But I'm almost more of a fan of people that take a loss or you know they have something that they fail at and they grew from it mm-hmm. almost more than the person that gets a win and then is just like yeah well that's just because I'm the shit like, who of course, of course I'm going to win that's what I do yeah. you know you're that person's never going to gain anything that person that lost gained a whole bunch of knowledge right you know so that's kind of how I look at failure just I mean that and I don't like to cry in front of I use that excuse for when I'm failing I got one more good one one more thing how about it so, let's just say, by maybe in some kind of crazy stretch of the imagination, which just probably isn't the case, but, like, if there were some young lady that were listening to this podcast and they were like, man, Sid's such a badass, I want to be just like her, how do they get their start? Or, like, what do they do? Um, well, like, you know, just give me the aspects of they're, they're trying to be fighters. Yeah, they well, maybe want to get into fighting or they want to maybe, you Or know, just life advice. Yeah, even life advice, because I think that you have a pretty awesome mentality, honestly, that... Up until today, I didn't really get a chance. I've never really had, a, had the opportunity to sit down and kind of, like, talk to you. I've, you know, I, I can pick up. I'm really good at people. I can usually tell when people are real people and real recognizes real. She's oh, busy. It's hard to talk to you. <laughs> we see her. You're either up and down and you have class or you're training. And it's always hard to talk to you because you don't want to interrupt your mindset because sometimes I know when you're in training, you're, you know, you're focused. I'm oh, like, I'm not you. bugging her right yeah. now. But yeah. Well, at the same time, though, and now we're going to segue from what I was actually yeah, no, we, to say. Yeah, we can answer but, that first question. But... That's something else that's fucked, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, everybody's like, okay, Sid Ross, she's a badass, she's a fighter. That kind of probably gets old hearing, too. Right. Because at the end of the day, Sid is also a young lady. Right. You know what I mean? She's also somebody who is trying to push forth with a real career. 
and almost a business and a brand in yourself, right? That people just kind of forget about that, and everybody's like, oh yeah, there's Sid, no, I'm not even gonna, like, she's a badass, I don't, you know. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up on everybody else's part. So if you're listening, don't weird. be afraid, to, right? Yeah. I can, I, like, I actually, we talked about that one day, where, like, somebody walked, walked by, and everybody was, they were like, oh, hey, to somebody, and, like, Sid sit there, and they're like, completely ignored Sid, and I'm like, that was me, no, wait a second. Oh, uh, yeah, no, wait a second. I don't want to mention any names, but it was this asshole, right? <laughs> on my know? defense, I had a story to tell Freddie, and when I came in, I just, and I, I was zoned on Freddie to tell him this one story. That wasn't on purpose. That's cool. I'm just recording. <laughs> I'm just, I just. He's a dick. I'm short. Anyways, so what would you tell, so a female that does want to come in and say, hey, listen, I want to get this started. You know, what, would you give them the, the goods and bads, or would you just say, hey, listen, learn to, learn to have a rocky road. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs, a lot of bumps and bruises, and. You can better prepare yourself for the rocky road by just having a good, like, realistic expectations. A lot of people, when they're like, oh, yeah, I want to be a fighter, they're like, yeah, I'm the badass walking around. Everyone's scared of me. I just beat people up, and people think I'm cool, and there's, you know, the celebration after the fight, and there's the pictures. 99% of my life is waking up, coming to this gym, training, they're like, I can't be mean to people and scowl at them and act like I'm some big badass that can't be fucked with because actually I come in here and, you know, you get disrespected by members at the desk every day. I'm cleaning up the <laughs> shit after people. Right. I'm mopping the mats. I'm teaching, you know, the cute little buggery kids how to <laughs> communicate their feelings instead of hit each other. I'm dealing with, you yeah. know, the, the low-impact strength. I'm, um, it's not walking around yep. in a black leather jacket like flexing everybody being like nobody understands me I just right. beat everyone up that'll even look at me wrong cause it's not magic world like people I think often get confused you have to love spending your 6 to 8 every night instead of sitting watching TV at the bar whatever else you could be doing leisurely in their training getting better every day it's my body always hurts. Yep. I'm constantly being humbled and beat up by better, like constantly being faced to drop my ego. My my mind, my body, and my soul are just being tested and pushed every single day. Yep. I am rarely ever comfortable. You know what I mean? It's just you're constantly forcing yourself, pushing yourself to grow, and just in every aspect. If I'm not uncomfortable because my body is doing work and, like, you know, doing a hard workout, which is usually one to three times a day, I'm, you know, dealing with mentally the, the reps I didn't do right, the the barbell, the weight I couldn't lift, the and, and how it all shapes up to fight night. Yeah. And I'm watching, I'm watching fights on ESPN on my phone, and I'm... Constantly just... So you're, you're living that, I mean, even when you're resting, you still have a thought of fighting. Yeah, it's not sparkles and rainbows. Right. Like, the, the, the time you're in the cage and those lights and the and you get in, your, in that, that glamour, that glamour moment that everyone thinks about when I say, yeah, I'm an MMA fighter. Yeah. They're thinking about, oh, yeah, I watched UFC a couple times. They're Nobody not thinking. Nobody sees the dark days. Nobody sees that. 
They're not. They're not thinking me and just my my teammates. Me getting me getting my ass beat, right. thinking I'm gonna throw up. Like they're not seeing me at home after practice, crying on the stairs because my knees and legs and feet. I can't. I don't feel like I can walk up the stairs to go take a shower. So I just sit there and cry for a couple minutes instead. <laughs> they don't see that stuff, and they don't. People don't like that part about because that's hard. But it, why do you? Why do you do it? Because you want to be. You don't want to live something fake because you have a dream that you're chasing yeah you're willing to go through hell to get that dream yeah i just there's oh. there's nothing satisfying or confidence inducing about like being doing the same thing everyone else is or living an easy comfortable life there's just no like Nicki minaj everybody dies but not everybody lives yeah. <laughs> well listen when you have true passion life when you have whatever your passion is and, and if you don't have a passion out there, I highly suggest you have one because you know what? It changes everything. When you are chasing something that you really believe in, something you want more than you want to breathe, you'll be willing to go through hell and walk through the pits of fire to, to get there because that that's what true passion is. That's what purpose you have. Purpose of life. The yeah. purpose of life. Pa- your, your life has to be purposely driven. But go back to like fighters, and one of the things I've always noticed is some of the nicest people you meet are fighters. You, you get people that are very, that can fight, people that can. Either A, they're very good in shape, people that are very confident in their body, they know their talents, are usually not the people that are assholes. They're not usually the people that walk around thumping their chest, telling you how tough they are. They're some of the nicest people you'll meet. I think usually they've been pretty humbled. Yeah, yeah well, not just humbled because it's, it's a confidence thing. Yeah, it's a con- you know what you're capable of, you know what you can do, you don't need to talk. Exactly. And most people that talk a lot, nine times out of ten, the empty barrel talks the loudest. Yeah, correct. Yeah. That's what our point is. Coach Kirk told me once, but that's how my dad is. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's a terrifying man, but he's a teddy bear when you talk to him because it's almost like you have to be, it's, you're, he's so strong that he can be soft. Yeah. There's no, you have to build up these ambiance to other people that you're tough and someone that you can't be, that does you don't want to be messed with. That's insecurity and fear. Yep. Speaking. 100%. And that's not, yeah, like you said, if you're confident in your abilities and what you can do, you don't really need to talk on it because it's just you know for yourself. My talent. What do I through. need to prove to all these other people? Yeah. Their opinion means nothing because what you have in your heart by having what you have is way more valuable than the other people's thoughts. The people who don't have that, they value the thoughts and opinions of other people to validate themselves because they don't val- they don't validate themselves. So they need other people to validate them. Correct. It's all about, you know, you really want to know about me, watch my actions. Yeah. I don't need to tell you what I do. You're going to see what I do. It's, it's not in your mouth about. about how you're going to beat somebody up. It's like, you, you can't. You can't trash this person. That's why you have to, to bark. Like, you can bite. People. We have a lot of people out there like that, too, unfortunately. There's a lot of people that don't talk shit, but they have nothing to back it up with. And that's just, to Those me, that's people the are very people. broken and very, very lost, broken. especially nowadays after COVID and just the way that the world is. I think most people are in their victim mentality. Yep. They're they're lost. They're broken. And it's coming out in very nasty, violent, disgusting ways. Yeah. I, I personally think social media has made a lot of tough guys, too. People want to get on social media and run their mouth and no, on a keyboard. But when you're hiding behind But face-to-face, face, I guarantee they want to talk. Oh, no. 90% of the shit. Wouldn't even look in your talk. direction. Won't even look at you. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, all right, I'm the with this. And I got, 
listen, I have a habit of doing that. I'm really getting good. I haven't been on Facebook in months, yard with anybody. Fucking embarrassing, bud. That was one of the things. I think for me, it was just, it got to my nerves because I'm like, listen, Everybody, yeah. like, I hate when people talk shit online. Like, stop talking shit. But then, the but then, friend but then like, I would get online up. and argue. I'm like, I'm doing the same thing these people are doing. I just think you just stop. can't change them because when they have that comfort, like, the, it's just passing time for them. Yeah. And just, I don't know. I don't, I couldn't even really fully understand and pin down why they do it and what enjoyment they get out of it but I do know that they enjoy it they enjoy when the attention's brought back to them Misery they're like so company. are you yes yeah. they're not somebody that's seeking friendship and love with other people Correct. they want to they want to argue and fight and be bigger and better somehow and it's funny like so with my with my social media page a lot of it has to do with the business with personal training and you'll be surprised how many people say to me they always make jokes about it oh Mr. Fitness Mr. This Mr. That it's so negative. Like, you know, you don't hear anybody telling me, you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that because the people that do tell me that are the people that I'm in here with, the people that I want to be, you know, that's my circle. If they think you're doing better than they are, they're not going to They're, they're not, not going to give you that power. Or people back. are jealous of you. People are like, oh, this guy, he's doing something. So it's easier to throw shade at somebody yeah. than to tell somebody, hey, nice job. So I've learned a little bit later in life like you're 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 so young you're you're very smart i wish i had that brain when when i was your age but it took me 45 years to realize they're not my people those people aren't me i don't give a shit what they say because that's what's all about it they know subconsciously that fitness and wellness is something they should prioritize and do but it's hard to do what you do is hard and not comfortable so they're going to try to almost treat it like it's something that's weird or foreign and negative because they, if it was so awesome, then I would do it, and I would be. You know what I mean? Right. They kind of, they but they're not the willing to do it. Yeah, exactly. They lack discipline. We mock what we don't understand. Yep. So if we don't know how to make something work for ourselves, and we can't figure out how we did it, well, damn you for being able to pull it off. Exactly. Because, exactly right. And if they get a rise out of you, like the same thing I told you that night, if they get a rise out of you, they win. Yeah. Yeah. Like my only goal was to be able to know that if I, if I post something on Scott's Facebook page at midnight that. I have three minutes of his time at midnight that he stopped what he was doing and paid attention to me. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's right. that self gratification. It's just, it's pathetic. Uh, it you is. Got, you do. You did. You you had to go through with all your with your weight loss. You know, you went through weight loss, and along that journey, somebody is, that is so talking shit. Somebody that couldn't lose the weight talks shit exactly. because they get mad. They yeah, say they like who you were better when you were. Yeah, exactly. That was a lot more fun before. I can exactly. tell you that. You know, or like I was a lot more. Whatever. Fun. I mean, by fun they meant you didn't care about yourself Correct. and you were you s- s- serving them rather than that's a good point. Nurturing exactly yourself, right. and now that you nurture yourself and you're not serving them yep. in the way they wanted to be served by you, you, you don't put yourself care. first and not them. They, they don't care mad. about you anymore. Yeah, that's, that's just not shit. the type of people that you really need to concern yourself with, anyways. That's why I like. To it's hard to people. understand when you are a genuine person. But you just gotta be like you just gotta kind of I don't understand these people and their way and why they won't support and love me the way I do them. But oh well, those people out there like me, I'll go find them. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, my favorite favorite thing in life to hear from people is like, oh, it must be nice, you know. Like so, <laughs> I I didn't go to college. I worked at McDonald's, like, and I still do, you know. And people are like, oh yeah, it must be nice. You like run restaurants and you're like all oh, this big wig or whatever and. Like, oh, now you're, you know, you lost all this weight and you have this nice new truck. I'm like, yeah, but what you don't see is me out going out to dinner with you. You know, you, what you don't see is me going out partying and hanging out with all these idiots and doing stupid shit. 
No, what you do and what what all you see is the end result. You don't realize that every night from six o'clock at night till like eight o'clock at night, I'm here doing stuff or I'm doing other things. Or like Scott's going through my house, going through my cabinet. Yeah, you know, or, or like yeah, <laughs> you know, like you don't. They, don't, they, they were they don't spending see their uh, your working years. They were spending them blacked yeah. out at a frat house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> while, while you were out or while you were out partying, I was at home working. And you were whenever hustling. I got done with that, I went to the gym. And when I got done with the gym, I went home and did college online yeah. at night. You know, like. We're just not the same people, and it really shines and shows yeah. truer the older I get to realize. They, they always said when, when you have personal growth, your circle of friends gets very small. Oh yeah, and that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. There's a lot of broken, unhealed people that need yep. a lot to do before they can be good friends, and just if they're not willing to make those changes for themselves, then like they're. It is what it is. They're gonna find people that are broken like them yep. to vibrate with until they. Yeah, because those people shape just kind up of, or yep. decline even worse, yep. or stay static. That's how iron iron sharpens iron. That's what's going to happen. You know, we hang around the, the like-minded people that help us grow. And the order I get, if if you in my life, you either help me grow and help me succeed, or step aside because I'm not. I'm on a path right now, and that path will be achieved one way or another. And there's nothing comfortable about that comfortable life. They're all they're miserable. They're insecure, yep. they're not confident, they're, you know, and they're it's just... poking Scott at midnight trying to get a rise out of it. It doesn't work ball. anymore. I've, I've learned. You know, they, you know yeah, that's, that's what they're hanging they, on the straws because there's just nothing Listen, there. there's been a couple times, you'd be proud of me, there's been a couple times where I'm getting ready to respond and I'm like, nope, delete it, turn off my phone, I'm like, I'm not going to fucking respond because that's what they want. Yeah. And listen, I'm, I'm a slow learner, but... But I tell you the biggest thing, and this not to make this anything about me because it's all about you, but you can appreciate this. Ever since I started, like I with with personal training, this was my thing. I wanted to be. I'm like you. I want to be the best there is, right? So there's nothing stopping me. I'm on a path, and that path will be achieved one way or another. And along that way, people can can gravitate to me, can stick with me. I'll take as far as I can take you on this ride. But if you don't want to be part of it, that's fine. Step aside. But I'm not kissing your ass anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm on a path, and I think for me that is. It was a hard thing for me to do because I've cut some people out, but I've also gained a lot of people, Josh being one of them, and that, to me, has been huge. So having That's these people amazing. on my side, yeah. it was good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think, but, like, people that are driven, you know, like, your mindset is probably, yeah, one of, you know, like, one in a million. And people that are willing to do the things that, that it takes, you know, people just don't, they may never understand it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sid, where can ever where can everybody find you at? Oh, before you go, we got we, we have, got some we questions. Have, we have questions. Yeah. Always oh, forgot. Rushy. Mm-hmm. Rushy McRush Rush over here. Where's our? Uh, we need. So, so we have we have what's called the quick five. So we have okay. we both have five questions I have for a you. Quick five. If I take this away from him, it'll be the Scott's. <laughs> it'll be the Scott too. <laughs> so these are just quick answers. These are just kind of fun little things we do for everybody. Okay. Um, do you prefer to eat chicken or steak? Ooh, chicken is more frequent. And just because I feel like the white meat's the better option and the cheaper option, but as far as what I prefer to eat, you know, why steak? steak what yeah. kind of steak? Oh goodness gracious! Do you like flat iron? That's my new favorite steak. I you know, I'm steak. not like a connoisseur like that. I don't know the difference. Yeah, I like the. I just learned what flat like, iron steak was. I prefer cooked. Yeah, cooked. Yeah. yeah. I just learned the flat iron steak has the less fat on it than all the steaks. Okay. So that like. Yeah, but iron. you need to keep in mind that usually the flat iron steak is aged in something. Depending on where you get it, if you're ordering a flat iron, it's usually aged in something, and most of the time, it's butter. Oh, well, (laughs) so it's it's really bad for me. Terrific. If I'm drunk, the answer is chicken tenders. (laughs) That's my go-to. What's your favorite lift? Oh, overhead squats. 
Oh, son of a bitch. I, yes. can't, I can't even do one. Uh, <laughs> best advice ever given? Ever given? Hmm. Jeez Louise. Put, put you on the spot on this one, huh? You think about so that many one. good ones, yeah. You think about that, and they'll come right back to it. Do you prefer the Echo Bike or the Rower? Echo Bike. Blech. And do you work out caffeinated or uncaffeinated? Um, I usually lift caffeinated. I usually um, uh, usually train uncaffeinated. Because or just coffee, maybe. But yeah, usually not pre. Yeah. yeah. I've heard a lot of people get sick on that. Not night for like a jumping around grappling cardio situation. You get you get riled up enough. Yeah, that's true. Somebody's grabbing on you. That was my five. All right, minor minor Josh Josh Worthy. Heavyweights or high reps? Uh, you probably high reps. I like to do both. I like to mix it up. Actually, I'm one of those people that like I don't like to do the same. I, I get in moods. Sometimes I'm like, I want to see how much weight I can deadlift, and sometimes I'm like, man, I just want to throw the fives around as many times as yeah. I physically can. Good, or I can't <laughs> go anymore. Yeah. What's your max deadlift? I'm just curious now. My Probably max. Put together. The most I've ever done is three oh five. Wow. That's. We're like, yeah, we're going to talk about something else now. <laughs> Big three or Olympic lifting? Which you Olympic, prefer? for sure. Ooh. Bench can go erase itself from this world. Yeah, bench is kind of, we talk about this all the time. It's really not a movement that, I like the bench, don't get me wrong, because I'm good Did at you it. See that, uh, did you see his whole face change there? Well, listen, I looked at him and I was like. The bench is, <laughs> it really is, I mean, they're finding out it's kind of a pointless. It's I like really overhead press more, like yeah. military pressing. And they say there's more carryover with that than their bench. Breast press is kind of a. And breast, breast, be- breast, bench, breast, bench press is less than a. Uh, well, you got a name right, so I got to bust on you about something. Yeah. I don't hate bench pressing or powerless. I just prefer the Olympics more. Yeah, I think a lot, yeah. a lot more to learn. I love using um, that rogue, like football bar. That's back there. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the neutral, bar. the neutral grip yeah. in that's so much better. Yeah. Keep your shoulders safer. Um, when it comes to diet, so, like, are you a f- intermittent fasting? Do you count macros? Do you do anything like macros. that? Macros. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. We, uh, we carb cut, and then, um, yeah, pretty much like a, a macro diet that turns pretty much into a keto diet towards the end of the, the, end of the camp. <laughs> then it turns into the celery diet. Celery diet. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretty much like fresh fruits, vegetables. You're eating a lean, lean meat. Uh, your carbohydrates are pretty much fruits and rice, and they're limited. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much just a healthy diet. Just your your portion controlling and your yeah. Your water. I'm sorry, fish. I'm, I'll go back to that question. So, when you're doing your water, so I know, like, Chael Sonner was huge on this big water cut. He'd do, like, this gallon of water, two gallons, then do a gallon, yeah. half gallon, then cut water. Do you guys do anything close to that? Yep. You water load, and then you cut. Okay. And you're that, having salt while you're, while, you're, while you're in camp, but when you begin to water load, you cut the water out. It just salts out. How far out do you cut the water? About three days? The water? Yeah. No, that's the day before. The day before you mm-hmm. cut all out. You can't get three days without I didn't think, when I say cut out, I meant like you start tapering it. He like day it. three. So let's say like you fight Saturday. You Wednesday, you're going to drink probably half a gallon. Thursday, that's when you start to cut. You're drinking maybe a bottle of water. Okay. okay. And then Friday, same thing. Bottle two water, whatever. That's when you're weighing in. So actually, sorry, excuse me. Friday, you wouldn't be drinking water. Because that's when you'd be weighing in. Okay. Until nice. after the weight cut, and that's when you would be drinking. But Wednesday is pretty much so that thing where he's doing the two, one, you know, that's the countdown. And then you go into Thursday, you pretty much drink enough water just to survive. Yep. 
and then your refeed afterwards. A lot of electrolytes get to yeah. Pedialyte and things like that getting it back into you. I use our uh, supplement that we have here. It's called Hydrate, Hydrate by the Cup. Wilderness. We sell it here at the gym. That's what I use always to rehydrate after a hard cut or just after to, to rehydrate or refill after a hard workout. That stuff's literally magic. We sell it in single pouches that you just pop into your water bottle to try. We also have it in the whole tubs. Yeah, shameless plug for all the supplements here. Yeah. I love the Wilderness Athlete stuff. Like yeah. I've been using yeah, it a lot. I've never tried it. And I was skeptical at first. It's, dude, it's amazing. It really is good. The Hydrate Recover, I put two scoops of that in with my gallon of water every day, and I sip on it throughout the day. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Never even tried it. You have to try it. You got to try it. Stuff. It's right, not sorry. like Gatorade. It's not like super sugary. There's not like the macros on it or chill. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to try it. So, I mean, we kind of powerlifting, bodybuilding, or CrossFit, well, I feel like we kind of know where you're headed with that one. She's a cross trainer. What was yeah. the first one? Powerlifting. Power or powerlifting, power. bodybuilding. And then Kyle brought up. Which one you prefer? And, and Kyle and Derek both brought up. They're like, we do powerbuilding. I'm like, yeah, they do. It's a they combination of the two. Yeah. I'm not huge into bodybuilding just because it's a lot of isotopic movements just for... Not a carryover for sports. It's not really for function. You're more right. making yourself a living mannequin, <laughs> which is not type of ideal. It's 100% aesthetics. There's yeah. no performance base behind it whatsoever. No, no. You take a guy like, like, I love Kyle to death, but you take him back there in the CrossFit room and, you know... Poor him and Shannon were dying after like two sets of what we were doing. Like I could not survive their workout. Oh right. No, no way oh, in hell. Yeah, like yeah. no way in hell could I survive one of Shannon's workouts. No yeah. way. But it's just like it's just different types of. Yeah. You just have different goals that you're yeah, like exactly me. Right. I mean, I don't, whatever. If I got a pudge roll off season, whatever. Like it just it's more towards just, am I able to physically do what I need to do. And whatever happens from that happens. You got to work out according to your goals, you know. And Kyle and Shannon are on a aesthetic goal right now, and you're on a performance yeah, goal. Yeah, but I will say, Kyle was my partner a couple weeks ago. I said, he could bar, And he fucking smashed that They're, shit. They've been he was doing, oh, awesome. Kyle came and was my partner, what, two, two, three, three weeks two, ago? Three yeah. weeks ago. Three weeks. We were doing rope climbs that night, and he oh, was up awesome. the rope, like, for three. Did he go legless on them? No, I don't think he did. He used his legs because he didn't. I mean, he was at the point now where he's like weeks out from a show, and yeah, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't want to get. He was not going to take a chance of getting hurt. Yeah. But I mean, he was doing box jumps. Yeah. I'm sure his heart rate was absolutely insanely high through the yeah. roof, but he crushed it. He. And those he power right builders, there. yeah, they're not used to running or Correct. anything, so they lift all that weight. But then they're neglecting the cardio aspect, which is fine for what they're demanding their bodies to do when they go to perform for what their goals are. You're not going to be asked to run a mile at a powerlifting meet. They know what they they know it, so they're not obviously going to train for that. I have to move my body crazy different ways all the time. I need to be flexible. I need to be be able to change directions Sports quickly. I need to be fast. I need yeah. to be able to jump. I need to be able to. So there's just a lot. I have to really train a variety of different things. I don't need to be. I need to be a certain amount of strength. I don't need to be able to deadlift 500 pounds. Correct. I just read a thing online that said strength is so for sports or athletes. A one rep max is kind of pointless. They need to. You need to have a strength that they is sustainable for the sport you're in. So you. What are your rounds? Three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So you need that strength to last you for five or three three-minute three rounds. Yes. That's how your strength needs to be. Your strength needs to be adequate to be able to sustain the sport you're in. And that's, that's a big thing. You it's know? a balance between because you want to be as strong, as fast, and as flexible as you can be, mobile. Mm-hmm. 
you get too strong, you lose speed and mobility. If you get too, like, if you're focused too much on, you know, right. the speed, then you kind of aren't very strong. You get too much muscle, then you slow down because your cardio there is too hard, and then too you hard to feed. Too much it. muscle, you can't right. really, you can't, can't bend move. as well either. Yeah. We went to um. Well, it's we a went, balance. We were at your house for um. Uh, one of the train the trainers here a couple weeks ago, and they were talking. Your mother talked about energy systems, and I really wish everybody would understand energy systems, like the importance of training all of it. Like training just one aspect, you're you're hitting just a small fraction of this big picture that we have out there. Yeah. Like, I do, me personally, I believe everybody should train like an athlete. I just think that's the best way to train. Like you should be hitting everything. But I understand everybody has different goals in different settings, and yeah. it is what it is. That's just my personal belief, but. You do, you're doing well. One thing I forgot to ask you, supplements. During your um, during your training camp, do you stay high protein? I know your protein is probably still one gram yeah. per pound of body weight. Yeah. Um, do you take anything else? you take creatine or anything of that nature? Creatine I'm not taking during a camp just because the water, the water weight adding ones I kind of wean off. But creatine, BCAs, and then the hydrate, I don't do too, too many. Nothing different else. things if you're so uh, the supplements are that they're that they're supplements if you're eating correctly and you're b- b- recovering correctly mm-hmm. stretch exercise sleep whatever yada 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 um the you know the supplements are going to help a little bit but they're not magic i agree your pre-workout isn't going to magically give you six hours of sleep yep your bca isn't going to erase the fact that you drank the last three days in a row yeah. you know it's like, she's speaking <laughs> truth this is what i want to hear this is what people want to hear right <laughs> i here. feel like the supplement gurus are just kind of using those things as band-aid yep. they're the band-aids and KT tape of your diet. <laughs> if you're not sleeping, and you said 100%, you know, drink water, sleep well. Now, I am a, I, I will say that I am a creatine believer only because it's, I mean, it's one of the most researched yeah. supplements out there. If you're so doing what you need to do, it definitely supplements yes. a little bit. That I don't see the giant need in taking the laundry list of pills and powders and. Yeah. Like, it's like they're like, oh, we're taking greens and stuff. Oh, I, oh, I eat vegetables three times a day. I don't need a green don't supplement, greens. you know. Right. Yeah. Now I take greens because of what you said. I don't eat enough vegetables, and I know I don't. So I do. Eat, I take the um, infused greens they have. Yeah, the stuff's which is great. great. It's definitely not going to hurt you. It just isn't magic. It's not magic. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Learn how to control your life. Don't eat like a child. Sleep well. Eat good food. So. Wow. Thanks for laying out the rest of my life for me. These are You're the welcome. things you need to do. Yeah. All right. What else we have? I think that's pretty much it. That's about all I got. I really appreciate you coming in. This is really cool. Do you have anything you want to add along? Uh, just to go back to the best advice you got, probably just from Ooh, basic from my mom. She just, you know, just be happy. Do what makes you happy. It's really basic, but I think it's on um, a lot of people probably get lost of that. Yeah. Lose that sight. of They're not doing things to make them happy in life. They're just doing things because they need to make the bills to feed their family or they need to... Uh, they feel like they need to impress other people, blah, blah, blah. Just do what makes you happy. Live your life by your rules. You're only here for a certain amount of time. Perfect. Do what you want to do with it. That's exactly right. I really appreciate that. So where can everybody find you? You're on Instagram at Sid Ross. Sid Ross MMA. Uh, there's a larger account with an underscore. It's a hack. He's going to try to take your money in your account. Yeah, that's, <laughs> one, that's one you were texting me on that one day. I'm like, why did she want to verify? She's like, hey, can you verify my account? I'm like, why is she asking? Sure, I'll verify her no, account. No, don't do and it. Then, and then I text it. I'm like, hey, was that you? You're like, no, that's no. not me. I'm like, okay. I had to tell him like four will. times. I'm like, I don't. That it wasn't you, right. Do you have Sid's number? And he's like, Yeah, I'm like, you should just text her. I'm like, wouldn't she just she if she wanted you to verify your existence, yeah. she would just it text was you. weird. Yeah. Yeah. I got so. a message from a friend, I need your help. I said, Are you sure, buddy? What's up? Can you send me this link for yeah. I don't remember what the excuse they used was, but I I, I, I did it. 
<laughs> you got hacked. And yeah. I'm like, I was gone, and, <laughs> and now I get 10, 15 million messages a day from people. Did your account get hacked? Yeah. Or your account's messaging me, or your account hacked my account. I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? Yeah, that's welcome to social media. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do about my account. And you're also on Facebook the same way? I am. Sid Ross, yep, on Facebook. Okay, you guys can report the hacked account. That'd be cool. Yeah, so everybody, everybody that's listening, go on and report the other hacked account. The Just don't report, don't report. Don't report my account. Don't report the right one. Because it's be really sad. <laughs> Where is your fight going to be in October? It's going to be in Monroeville, which is in on, like, um, if you get on uh, 99. Yep. Towards the, yeah, right? Uh, it's on 22. It's on 23. 22, sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. going up 22 towards Pittsburgh. So uh, you'll be selling tickets for that, I'd imagine? You'll be selling tickets for that? Uh, but it's right off of 22, off the left, the Monroeville Convention Center. I will be selling tickets. It's a little far out right now. Usually the six to eight week mark is when things begin to really get going. So probably about four weeks out from the fight okay. is when I will have tickets here at Gorilla House Gym to sell. 247fightingchampionships.com will have tickets as well, as well as the link to the pay-per-view event. So if you can't make it out to Pittsburgh, um, you just watch it on your computer or your phone or your your, your TV at home. They'll they'll have the, the whole event live pay-per-view. It's only about 15, 20 bucks, I think. Nice. Um, general admission tickets will be probably 50. And then they go up from that. You can get the different the different seats or whatever. But October 1st, it's a Saturday night. The doors open at 7 o'clock. I'm a professional fighter. I'm a professional debuting. I'll probably fight closer to 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Do not have to be there right at 7 o'clock. You can show up whenever. Uh, your seats are assigned. Okay. So you don't got to worry about getting good seats or whatever. You, pay, you, pay, you get your assigned seat whenever you buy your ticket based on what level ticket you get. Um, their tables, so you guys can, you know, coordinate with friends and buy a table out so that you're all sitting there together. They have alcohol concessions for sale. Um, it's usually a good awesome. time. They are family friendly. Bring your kids. They got cornhole set up. Uh, no swearing is allowed at all during the event. Oh, wow. uh, you mm -hmm. know, there is alcohol there and adults that will be, but they, they do a good job keeping it under control. It's not. It's awesome. So, yeah, family friendly. They they Need usually have an intermission where they do something fun. Someone sings, someone paints something. They're a really good time. They're really fun. Yeah, we're gonna be. I mean, it's your pro to be. I've never been. I want to. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, if you're out there listening, Sid Ross, October first, her pro debut. Get the tickets. Buy your tickets. Support our local warrior. Uh, watch her come out there and bring hell with her when she gets in that cage. So we're looking forward. Wait, to you have shirts and stuff fun. too, right? Um, so MMA Tea Company is my sponsor. They have their website. They do have a whole. Um, I have a whole wardrobe in there. Different different shirts. There's a, and I'm gonna be adding another one for the October first fight. You okay. can see all the recent designs I've had there, as well as the new one when I get around to designing that. Um, uh, MMA Tico. Um, Alex Einhorn, John Brennan, and then Letitia Mole is uh, there. They they sponsor me. So that MMAT. They make the shirts. Yep, really awesome brand. Uh, the local people. They're from Lancaster out there. Okay. They're just really just really chill, awesome okay. people. They've been with me. They've been sponsoring me since I very first started. So. That's good. That's a good company. But they sell our they, they sell t-shirts there. They do a really good job. They print them themselves. Really high quality shirts. Good price point. 
Um, so I make my new design. That'll be up there. They do phone stickers. They do little flags. Oh shit! All sorts of good cool for that. We're gonna be yeah. in like just so you know, we'll be there. Ethan and, and Cameron like- are also sponsored by Mateco. So if you wanted to get Ethan, Ethan Gloss or Cameron Allgaier gear, are they fighting that same day? Ethan probably will be. Yes. Okay. Right. This will be his second since he got pro. No. This will be his, his first. His first defending championship, right? He's had he's had ten, eleven pro fights by yeah. now, but this will be. He is the two four seven featherweight Champ. champion. Yep. So he will be defending his his this first title defense. First title defense. And again, October first. We're gonna say one more time. October first and Moreauville Convention Center. Sid. First Ethan, Saturday of the month. First Saturday of the month. Get your asses out there. Support our local warriors here at the Gorilla House. Uh, me and Josh will be there. It's so like an hour drive. We'll be good. <laughs> It'll be a fun time. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have so much fun. It is going to be good. They're I'm, good times. I'm very excited. They're good time. All right. I'm, I've never went to one because I never really knew anybody. Music, lights, just Oh, dude, it's you awesome. got to see one. I haven't been to a big one like that. We always did the local ones here. I feel like I'm going to get thrown out for swearing. Somebody's, well, I mean, people are going to be like, kick your ass! Yeah. Shit, no! Ah, yeah. I, no! Just the, the like, ref and the commentators and the fight. We're not allowed to swear when we get on the mic. Yeah. And that's just this promotion, because Ryan runs a really professional, really... Which is good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Promo- yeah, so it's really it's like, yeah, you can take your kids there. Uh, OG brings his girls all the time. Like, it's not really... It's, a, it's like a family thing. It's very... Uh, you don't have to worry about getting stabbed or anything. Like that's the main thing. People they're like, Monroe feels really kid? nice. Yeah. Should I bring my gun? And I'm like, yeah. you know, like it's, uh, I don't know what you're expecting. But no, so if anybody, <laughs> I have family in Monroeville. Monroeville is a very nice area. It's, There's I no know, mosh pit. It's, it'll be fine there. It's, it's a very good, very good. <laughs> spot. about that. Yeah, he's like mosh pit. I want to go now. Yeah, I like concerts. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again yeah. for coming. This Thanks was a blast. We do appreciate it. Uh, and again. Anything you need to ask her, go ahead and reach out to her Facebook, social media, and we'll catch up here inside of the house. See you Friday night at the bar.